We are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. This is Still Are The Tims, Season 2, Episode 1, The Rapid Vienna Affair. It was 1984. George Orwell's predictions hadn't come right just yet, 
but Celtic were in another European campaign. Having dispatched of Gent of Belgium in the previous round after a 1-0 defeat winning 3-0 at Celtic Park, Celtic were paired with Rapid Vienna. The first game I did not attend. It was in Vienna and we lost 3-1, Brian McClare getting our goal. It gave little indication of what was to come for the return leg at Celtic Park. There was a feeling at Celtic Park that we could overturn pretty much any deficit as long as we had the second leg at Celtic Park. There had been a couple of occasions previously where this never happened, most notably against Nottingham Forest in 1983. However, the fans that packed the ground that night, including me and the Rangers end, simply because the Celtic end in the jungle was already full, I thought this was a good omen because I'd been in the Rangers end for the Sporting Lisbon game the previous year where we'd demolished them 5-0 after a 2-0 deficit. And surely this would be even easier this year because we had an away goal. Meaning we didn't need to win at least 3-0, 2-0 would suffice. Anyone there that night will remember the crackling atmosphere and the way the Austrians buckled under the pressure they not just the team but the Celtic support as well. Pulsating attacking football was our thing and that's what we got that night. The goals started to fly in and you could see Rapid Vienna had absolutely no answer to it. We all sang and danced just as we had previously against Sporting Lisbon knowing our passage was safe and we, and we were on our way to the next round of the Cup Winners Cup. So the Celtic uh, Rapid Vienna debacle 1984 what can I remember what was going on in my life at that time there I think this was um this was a time where there was something going on and, and Mr Paul Larkin I know exactly what it what it was and um so that season I think it may have just been after the Rapid Vienna game. My mother caught me and a, f uh, a friend smoking in her house. I'm not going to tell you how old I was, but um, I was quite young. And um, as he did in those days, and we don't do enough of, I think, with the, the younger generation, is I, w I was punished for that. And... Uh, must have been a October, November, whatever November time. I can't remember, but it was after that. It was after the game at Celtic Park because I remember going to the game at Celtic Park. Um, but my mum, my dad, they banned me from going to see Celtic for the rest of the season. You know, they took what my love was away from me uh, as a form of of punishment. Um, I remember missing the the cup final that year. Uh, Frank McGarvey scored the winner. Um, Paul and my cousin Mark still give me pelters for it to this day um, but uh, yeah that was a tough one but I tell you what um, again going back to younger generation then it's, it's changed now and, and I learnt my lesson um, um, for that time I didn't remember listening to the uh, first leg 
on the radio or anything. I know people say they did, but I just have a memory of it not being on the radio. I might be completely wrong on that. And then finding out that we lost 3-1 on like the 10 o'clock news bulletin on the radio. And um, Alan McAnally being sent off, Brian McClare had got the goal for us. And it can never be underestimated how good a player Brian McClare was. It's often touted that for four seasons in a row he was our top goal scorer, which is true. What people didn't realise is it was only really 85-86 from signing in 83 that he actually started to play up front. Previously that, he played a lot of games in midfield. So he was a massive hero of mine. And, um, but I definitely had the feeling of, well, you know, we've done it previously against Sporting Lisbon, we can do it again, no problem whatsoever. Vantaggio la formazione austriaca, però dopo pochissimi minuti, esattamente al dodicesimo, gli scozzesi vanno al pari. Intanto stiamo rivedendo il gol di Pacult con cui il Rapid si è portato in vantaggio. Bravissimo il giocatore a destreggiarsi, entrare in area dopo aver evitato due avversari e a battere con il suo diagonale il portiere avversario. Ma come dicevo, quattro minuti dopo il Celtic, che è l'altra squadra di Glasgow, Rangers hanno giocato contro l'Inter, il Celtic invece qui in Coppa delle Coppe contro il Rapid, vanno al pareggio con questo bel gol di McLeod. Azione molto bella. Yes, the Rapid Vienna affair. Probably the most talked about European game since Lisbon. Uh, just everything unfolded. and uh, I were asking like how life was at the time. and Yeah, it was actually the, the second leg was the night before my 13th birthday the next day. Um, and I can rem- remember vividly listening to the game on the radio, the first leg and uh, you know, the three one defeat and I think Alan McInally gets sent off and uh, just thinking back then like it was too much to claw back. Uh, as I say, I, I know we did it the previous season against Sporting Lisbon. Um like two 0 down and coming back, but I just felt this time that's you know, it's too big an ask to do it again. Uh, so I uh, like the previous round like, we played Ghent uh, I was at the home leg and again we'd come back to 1-0 down in that match and uh, like we won 1-3-0 and I was say at the game I, I actually in the Rangers end that night which I was at the Rapid game as well uh, and just you know we were ruthless although Ghent weren't a, weren't a great side to be honest but we were ruthless and uh, got the job done uh, so that was us through to play Rapid um, and as the European games, even now, but I think maybe even more so back then because it was knockout and you were only a couple of rounds away from the quarterfinals, but momentum was growing and, you know, the hype for these games as they went, you know, round by round. Uh, so when the rapid second leg came came round, as I say, the night before my birthday, 13th birthday, so up to the match, and if I remember right, it wasn't all ticket, uh, which... 
there's a lot of like most games apart from like Rangers games really or like English clubs in Europe like the Notts Forest obviously a big ticket scramble and like big the uh, big names like Real Madrid Juventus like European ties round about then they were all ticket uh, but apart from that they weren't they weren't all ticket a lot of these games so went along in the Rangers and packed right enough it probably was a capacity crowd but I remember Celtic scoring to go 1-0 up and all of a sudden the belief totally around the ground then you just felt it was going to be our night um, and which proved to be and uh, like 2-0, 3-0 and actually I can't remember exactly when the bottle incident was um, I just remember being a lengthy delay and obviously Rapid knew at that point the game was slipping away so it was their only chance to try and cheat uh, their way to some kind of replay which obviously proved, proved to be um, so I, I remember Peter Grant missing the penalty I think that was to make it 4-0 I don't know if that happened before or after the the ball incident which is kind of immaterial really but uh, I remember coming away for the game uh, thinking by brilliant result Magic European night just back in the supporters bus just started talking about it and laughing about the ridiculous like Basel faulty headband situation my uh, rapid player uh, so that was it so came away for the game you know like we're through the quarters basically and that's it uh, I remember I don't know how many to be honest I don't know how many days later if it was a week later but I remember it was a Friday and I was uh, one of my mates after school his dad was a like both of them obviously Celtic fans but his dad was a taxi driver, a big Celtic fan, and like it was like I don't know, was it? As I say, after school at his house, and um, had my tea there and stuff, and I think it was about seven, eight o'clock at night. His dad's given me a run home, and uh, just says, "Well, by the way, did you hear the the games getting like going to be replayed?" But it's like I can't remember what he said. It was two hundred miles, around fifty miles, whatever. Uh, like away from Celtic Park. I'm like, I'm fucking joking. Uh, so can I started to sink in then and I honestly could not believe it um, so obviously the hype like for this like rearranged replay was unbelievable I mean I wasn't at Old Trafford um, but the, the talk at the time was it possibly could be Pataudry and looking back now that probably would have been a better venue really like kind of intimate venue uh, could have spooked them a bit but it's, it's gone now and um it was a horrible, whole horrible time, uh, and the, uh, obviously the next season having to play the Atletico Madrid game behind closed doors was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And you would think, to, like to think, in this day and age, with all different camera angles and like CCTV and all the rest of it, like they would, they'd have been laughed at. Um, like to get that game replayed to the, the, you know when you see the ball landed just like fucking 40 feet away uh, so I, that's my take on that Paul um, just when you put up the picture of the Celtic Rapid programme uh, it actually brought back a memory because uh, round about that time so slightly digressing here but round about that time uh, Scotland were playing Spain the qualifier for the 1986 World Cup uh, and it was a midweek uh, maybe a, I don't know a few weeks later or whatever and uh, the Scotland team were staying at the Marine Hotel in Troon 
So obviously that's kind of local to me, five, six miles away. So we got to train up uh, one night, actually. So it was the night before the match. And because uh, like boys for our school were in uh, stayed in Trun and uh, they were seeing it like they'd been the night before and they'd got autographs and this kind of thing. And so we went to the Marine Hotel in Trun and uh, it's all like an old-fashioned style hotel. So the players, you could actually see them in a, a big bay window. They're all sitting, having their dinner. Like, they were all there. Jockstein, Kenny Douglas, Gordon Strack. Oh, the, like, the, whole, the whole squad sitting, having their dinner. Which, you know, it was a bit rude as well, to be fair, or peering in the windows here as they're, as they're eating their dinner. But anyway, they're all young young boys. But uh, the entrance to the Marine Hotel is a revolving door. So the staff were saying, look... You can't all stand in the foyer, but to be fair to the staff, they were letting us, as if once the players had eaten their dinner, they were going back up to their rooms, so kind of individually they were leaving the dining room and heading back up to their rooms. Uh, so they were letting us go in, like each individual player that was leaving to get autographs and such like, so that was it, the players were coming through, I get, like that, that, so there was this Celtic Rapid programme I was getting signed, so it was brilliant, absolutely buzzing, I get, like, Kenny Douglas, Arthur Alberson, Gordon Strachan. I mean, I've got so many names on it and I can't even remember a lot of the players I've actually got on it now. Uh, but I vividly remember Kenny Douglas, Arthur Alberson, Gordon Strachan. Um, I remember all the, like, the boys for school were all desperate. Paul McStay was the one we wanted. So, but we could see Paul McStay getting up, faced, like the, the dining table, to head through the foyer, to head up the stairs to his room. So there was this absolute clamour to get through the revolving doors to get the maestro's autograph and one of this boys this boy Barry I think his fucking foot caught in the revolving door and it was wedged it was absolutely wedged solid so it wouldn't fucking move so next day he's away up the stairs oblivious to the fact there's about 40 boys stuck in this fucking revolving door trying to get his autograph mad times but yes mate that was uh, my take in the rapid affair and uh, I'll never that name it's always always absolute mud to me okay mate cheers Ah, when life was a lot more simple, eh? So the game itself, um, wow, uh, I think, I think if I look back to that time, um, you know, my, my, in fact, through my life, I think that the, the biggest games for me were probably the ones around that age and, I remember Ajax at Celtic Park drawn to each of them being at that game you know I think it was 82-83 um, obviously I wasn't at the away game in Amsterdam but winning that tie was just incredible that's my real first experience at European football Celtic Park you know midweek night that's you know I've always to me they've always been bigger than the games against uh, Arrivals across the city. I love the European nights, and then building on that, of course, uh, the following season, I think, uh, was um, Sport Lisbon at Celtic Park, and again, that was probably if you were, if you were to ask me the the biggest, you know, the, the best game I've ever been to as a Celtic supporter it was that five nothing at Sport Lisbon, and I think. I think the reason for that was it was the first time as a Celtic fan watching us in a European tie kind of come back 
to do something, you know, it was unexpected. Um, winning that, winning that match, winning that tie against Sporting Lisbon, just incredible. Three nothing up at half time, we turned it around. And, but anyway, you know, building on that, those those two games for me as a kid at that at that age, young kid. Um, the next big one was Rapid Vienna, and we get beat three one away from home. But because of what had happened with Sporting Lisbon the year before, or with Ajax the year before, you believed in it, you know, believed we could do it. So when we get beat three one, like oh three one, but we got the away goal. We really fancied our chances. I really remember as a kid, I fancied our chances that night. And of course, you know, um, we're there and, and uh, I'm in the main stand that night. My dad, me and my dad had season tickets there for uh, in the main stand for uh, probably six, seven years. Um, I remember just sitting there and obviously watched what was going on. As again, as a young lad, it's the first time I'd seen anything like that at a football match. Um, you know, and, but we, you didn't know what was going on at the time, and you kind of, you just kind of dismissed it, and you were fine, and there was a kind of elation. We'd, we'd we'd got through, again, managed to kind of turn the tide unexpectedly, not unexpectedly. I see, we kind of contradicted myself. I fancied our chances that night, but we were up against it, um, and then, and then of course the next day, you start to read the papers and you listen to the radio. Back in those days, and there's this, oh wait a minute. The authorities may intervene and, and, and we could be in trouble here. And of course, um, that's, what, that's what happened. The home leg was another big European night at Celtic Park. For the second year in a row, previously against Sporting Lisbon, I was in the Rangers end. And that was just about um, the ability to get in. You know, simple as that. The Celtic end was packed. Jungle was packed. We were Celtic and people. We used to stand on their big number two sign at Celtic Park and that was it. But for these games, because we're coming from Edinburgh and traffic and so on and pandemonium really, so we're in the Rangers end. And Celtic played brilliantly that night. They played with Verve. They just tore Rapid Vienna apart. You know, we won 3-0. We missed a penalty. Um, we could have scored the Lopemere goals. Um, now... Obviously, the incident that everybody recalls is the bottle incident. And I have to say that I really was not aware of what was going on at the time. You know, I obviously saw the guy, but I'm in the Rangers end, sort of mid back in the middle to back here. You know, it's a fair distance to where it happened in front of the jungle towards the Celtic end. And I remember the big stoppage, and I remember the guy coming on, as Jamie O'Neill says, with the Basil Faulty banner, a eh, banner, headband, I should say. Imagine coming on with a Basil Faulty banner. Eh? That'd be one for the history books. But um, no really thinking anything other than, well, you know, just get on with it. And of course, people start talking straight away. Chinese whispers start, you know, and it's obviously pre-internet, pre-mobiles and all that kind of stuff. But when we sort of left the, the ground and went back to the bus, nobody was talking about... Um, the bottle thrown. The only thing I remember anybody mentioned was my uncle Francis said, Oh, that's these bampots in the jungle, you came what they're like. You know, <laughs> because there was a kind of thing, others have hinted it. There was a kind of thing where people were sort of uh, categorised as main stand folk, Celtic folk, jungle folk, and Rangers end folk. And that's just a fact, you know, and they were a different kind of breed in different sections of the green, believe it or not, you know. But all anybody talked about was the fact that um, 
we would be in the next round in the quarterfinals, you know, fantastic. I think within a day or so, the narrative started to change and it became this, oh, Celtic to play Pataudry and replayed game. This before a UEFA decision had made. And I'm thinking, Pataudry? What? What's going on here, like, you know? And um, then there was just all of a sudden, a Friday, I'll never forget it, an announcement. So we're playing at Old Trafford because they have to play X amount of miles away from Celtic Park. Tickets are going on sale today at such and such and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, a couple of years later, tickets are sold out. And we had got tickets um, for Old Trafford. But, you know, at the time, I don't think I looked anything other than beyond, oh, my God, we're going to play at Old Trafford against Rapid Vienna in a midweek game. Can I go? Can I go? Can I go? All that kind of stuff. But with the benefit of hindsight and research and talking to people, I think I know what happened. I think, basically, the Celtic board didn't do a single thing to fight UEFA. They looked at it as, oh, another game, another big payday, and we'll beat them again. Which, of course, everybody knows football doesn't work like that. It has more variables than any other sport in the world. And you simply cannot turn on and off performances like we had against them in the home leg like a tap. You just can't do it. So it was a big, big payday for Celtic. And I think, believe it or not, there wasn't even a representation from the Celtic board at the UEFA meeting. There was only a lawyer that they'd hired in Switzerland. That's it. So, of course, UEFA then had carte blanche to go, well, this will do whatever we feel like it. And so UEFA, at that time, were very much like FIFA. They hated... British football clubs. I hate calling Celtic that, but that's how they viewed us. So they were got to go to town. So of course, not only did they grant Rapid Vienna the replay that they, they so desired, but they also then punished us even further by saying you need to play behind closed doors of the following season. And of course, there was nobody really there to have any context of what that meant. And so it was so decreed. But I think, as I was basically saying about I didn't see beyond Old Trafford and the can I go, can I go, can I go thing. I don't think our board seemed beyond the fact of big payday, big payday, big payday. Funds in behind the defence. And goalkeeper Ain has exacted his own kind of retribution on Tommy Buns. Buns has taken a blow around the area of the stomach. You'll see it clearer from this angle as Robin plays it forward. Buns goes in. He certainly checked out of the challenge and he was caught by the goalkeeper's right foot. Another difficult moment for referee Johansson. And there is a missile thrown onto the field. Paul stay second to it. Now here's real trouble for Celtic. Missiles coming from that corner of the field aimed towards the protesting rapid players. Still following across towards the referee. Protesting now not only about the incident but about that missile being thrown on. The linesman is there too. And there goes an Austrian player going down. A bottle coming on after the player went down. Now this really is becoming dramatic. Now how is the referee going to restart the match? And he's pointing to the penalty spot. What a dramatic night.
Uh, that, I think, may well be Dr. Kleissen from West Germany, the UEFA observer. Let me tell you what, and you will now have appreciated that 11 minutes have elapsed since the incident which has given rise to the penalty kick which Peter Grant is anxious to take. Grant against Ames. Well, perhaps the delay was too long. aftermath of, of, of the game and, and into the following week so <clears throat> my feeling was that there's a couple of things that they, they, they come to come to mind so first of all like being a lot older now and experienced and watching football over the years sometimes you kind of you know, kind of learn to expect the the unexpected and you know seeing that sometimes you Celtic will you know, win a game and then they'll, they'll struggle in a game that we're expected to win, sort of thing. But I remember uh, after after the, the you know they decided that we had to go to uh, Old Trafford and you know take part in a, a so-called replay. Um, I remember being really confident. I thought, well, you know, we've done the Miss Celtic part. We're down to Old Trafford. It's kind of like you know, it's on it's uh, more like it's British soil, whatever, right? You know, I think Celtic, Celtic have more fans, and I can see his pastors, you know. Um, but that was just, you know, I guess at that age or an experience and that was a mentality. Whereas now I'd probably look at that and go, oh, jeez, there you go. We've got through, we've beaten them, we've done the hard work. This carry-on's happened and, and I, I would probably be a bit more neg negative or, or sceptical about about um, getting this all over. I also vividly remember there was a guy, there was a guy who sat two or three rows in, in, in front of us for six, seven years at Celtic Park. Never actually, never even spoke to the guy. But, and my dad, was kind of, he, he, he was, he would, you know, he was very vocal during the games. He would shout out his opinions, whatever else. And I remember, I can't remember who we were playing at home the weekend, right, right after we were playing at home. I can't remember who it was against. And, and I remember, he just stood up and he started having a great go at folks in the jungle like you know you you bunch of silly bastards and all this right and you 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 caused this it's all your fault and you're just standing up having having you know giving absolute pelters uh, to the folk in the jungle obviously <laughs> he's the other side of the park so you're not going to hear him and be <laughs> if he did hear him <laughs> he's not going to catch him you know but uh, I remember that vividly and maybe that was you know at that time, I can't remember it much, you know, but maybe the support, was, we, we felt victimised, we felt hard done by, you know, um, in terms of, you know, it was, a, it was ridiculous, right? the, the, obviously the object never hit the player, but at the same time, right, there was that mentality around don't give, these people don't give these authorities the excuse to act, so you shouldn't have thrown an object onto the pitch in the first place, right, which, you know, I, I, you know, I think it's fair, right, at the end of the day, that you should always look look at yourself, individuals, club, whatever, right, and how we, how we behave and, and how we conduct ourselves. But I remember that, I remember that, um, that gentleman. So to the match at Old Trafford itself, so I, I actually never went 
to the game. Uh, I can't even remember if I watched it or I listened to it on the radio. Um, obviously, I have vivid memories having seen it on the television at some point. But uh, yeah, there's just a couple of things I remember from the um, from the game itself, and then some of the some some couple of things that happened in and around the game. But the game itself, all I can remember, I. Roy Aitken hit the post and then Rapid Vienna basically running up the park and scored the only goal of the game and obviously we, we, we could beat 1-0 and uh, that's the first thing I remember then obviously the second part was the the fan or the fans running on the park and, and attacking the Rapid Vienna uh, players you know just the emotions running high giving the sense of injustice um, and it's funny I don't know if any other Celtic fans out there um, had the same experience as me, but uh, you know, roll the clock forward, um, whatever it was, twenty years later, and we're, we're playing AC Milan at Celtic Park. It was actually the last time I ever went to see the Celtic with my with my dad. My dad um, passed away a, f- a few years ago, um, but it was the last time the both of us went together to watch a match. Great memories, just standing watching them sing "You'll Ever Walk Alone." Very emotional moment. Um, but uh, at the end, you know, Scott McDonald scored the winner, and of course, what what happened? <laughs> Some guy for the, behind the goal ran on. He, he's going to attack the goalkeeper. He actually patted him on the head. But I thought myself, you know, my, obviously the way my mind works was like, oh god, we're going to get our fingers burned again. It's rapid Vienna all over. They're going to ask for a replay or something. But thankfully, it never it never happened. But hey, I wonder if, if any other Celtic fans. <laughs> kind of worried went through the same trauma again 20 years later but anyway um, you're in and around the game itself um, like my dad my dad and my grandfather didn't have the, the greatest relationship um, kind of growing up but um, I, don't, I do know for a fact that my dad was was incredibly proud of his his dad and my grandfather and you know um, seen, my, seen my grandfather happy made my dad really happy and, and I, you know I know bored people have mentioned this before. Um, you know, I get brought up in a bar, Nico's Soccer Hall Street in Glasgow, and when a lot of the Celtic troops come into the pub, the players, you know, supporters, whatever else. And my dad had a good, good few friends at the at the club, and and they'd arranged to meet um, the day before or two days before the game at Old Trafford uh, with Celtic contingent. It was uh, it was at the horse race. I think it was Haydock Park. Um, but Jimmy Johnson was there, got Le Petit Merd, Morris Johnson was there, various other players and and my grandpa got to meet them all and you know, he was just it was just, you know, that was it was such an important thing for my grandpa. It made him so happy getting to talk to the likes of Jimmy about the, the old times or Morris Johnson just who'd literally just joined the club, I think, at, at the time, um, joined from Watford, but it made him it made him so happy. And my dad telling me, he always told me the story then, years right after and years after, you know, and he was so happy for my grandpa that, you know, that was him that was him in his element. And um, I can I think the other the other the other part I remember was it was kind of like the the icing on the cake, so to speak. And my dad tell me I don't quite sure what the situation was, but he was getting out of a taxi after the game. God knows who he was with, and I remember telling me he get attacked or he get mugged by somebody. Um, nothing, you know, not related to the you know, football fans or anything. Just somebody mugged him or, or attacked him. I've my dad saying, "Oh, for God's sake, everything that could go wrong that night." went wrong and, and that was the final that was the final straw for him but uh, um, yeah 
not many personal memories of it, but just maybe memories of that time and the stories um, in and around the game. Right, Paul. Uh, rapid Vienna, eh? Cheating bastards. My memory of the, the first game away in Austria is very vague. I remember watching the highlights when we get beat 3-1 and thinking to myself, Chalky McClare, fucking deadly. 1-1-1 one on one with a keeper. I don't think I've ever seen him miss. And that brought us to Glasgow for the return leg. What a fucking carry on that was. I was staying in Luton at the time. I remember watching a game on their equivalent of sports scene, sports night with old Harry Carpenter. And think, watching it with my dad and all we were talking about after it was the idiot that threw the ball. At the time, we'd actually thought that it hit the guy but it obviously transpired that he was a cheating Nazi bastard that rolled about, covered in fucking toilet paper. Absolute joke. Well worthy he gone through on that tie. And then you have to decide differently. And that brings us to Manchester. Wow. It's probably one of the ugliest atmospheres I've ever experienced as a Celtic fan watching Celtic in Europe. Home games, which, all right, it was a neutral venue, but the 90% of the people there were Celtic fans with a few manks thrown in. I remember the Celtic club in Luton ran three buses up and it was a weird atmosphere on the bus going up because everybody was angry. The drink had been flowing through the day for the older guys. I was only 14 at the time. But the drink had made people different to what they usually were watching Celtic. Everybody usually watching Celtic's cheery, happy, on a high, but it was an ugly atmosphere, even on the buses going up. And apparently the wanker that had attacked the player in the tunnel at the end, he'd travelled on one of our buses that day. Uh, but I digress. Even in the ground, it wasn't a nice atmosphere at all. The, there was an ugliness in the air that I'd never experienced with a Celtic crowd before. There was a lot of anger and hatred, quite rightly, it has to be said, towards the Rapid Vienna players. And they didn't help themselves uh, with a play acting and at any time there was a free kick rolling about on the ground, which only infused the crowd even more. Uh, all I remember of the goal was it was a breakaway for a Celtic attack. Bonner, with his usual lackadaisical attitude when he was faced with a striker one-on-one, didn't even dive for the balls, if memory serves me right. The guy rounded him and scored. Uh, that basically killed the game because it was too late in the game to get anything back. Uh, after that, I can... Remember the atmosphere turned really ugly 
a guy came on the park and attacked their keeper in the goal mouth and was huckled away. And then towards the end, uh, as I say, the edit that travelled, I think it was for London, but it travelled on our bus up to Manchester, had attacked a rapid vener and kicked him round about the midriff at the, as the players were leaving the park, uh, going up the tunnel. Uh, not one of my happiest memories, it has to be said, watching Celtic and Rapid. They won and we still hate them because they're an absolute fucking disgrace. An absolute disgrace, your club. Ab. If, to me, they're the fucking Morris Johnson of football clubs. Worth nothing but being despised and hated because they're absolute scum, which is strong for me. I usually only reserve that for Hearts and Rangers, but Rapid Vienna for me are up there. Anyway, I hope this message finds you well, Paul. I hope the family are good. Take care and hail, hail. Aye, they're fine, Frankie. The time of recording, anyway. Um, so, I Old Trafford, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to the game. Um, and um, it was a bit of a strange one. Um, you know, it was an all-ticket affair and Celtic sold the tickets out in um, two hours allocation, which was basically the whole ground because they didn't really bring anybody. And um, we actually ended up in Altrincham at Paddy Creran's pub. And it was myself and uh, my Uncle Francie, Archie Wright, uh, John Wright, his son, um, Kevin, my cousin, and the late Michael, my cousin. And it was great, you know, I remember it was the first time I'd ever um, really was aware of Paddy Creran and he was sort of scooting about and welcoming people and, and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, obviously I wasn't drinking at the time or anything like that, but, you know, it was like a, a fun day was had by all. And, um, but as we made our way to Old Trafford, um, the atmosphere that others have mentioned started to change um, the only time I've ever been part of an atmosphere like that was when Morris Johnston um, played his first game for Rangers at Celtic Park that is you know the intense hatred that was around um, clearly there was little drunk people around, it wasn't very well lit around the streets eh? um, Old Trafford Um and bear in mind, we'd been doing there um, in the previous August for the Lou McCary testimonial. Completely different atmosphere, obviously. Um, this was just pure, undiluted hatred. Um, we were in the scoreboard end at Old Trafford. Um, from, from memory, there was a lot of big fences up, which I'd never seen before at any football match like that. Um, I believe they were put in um, about a month, six weeks before then. Um, and the minute Rapid Vienna came out to warm up, there was just like an incessant booing. And this was like, the ground was nowhere near full at this time. I mean, Celtic supporters back then, people in my era and before will remember, were notoriously late for coming into um, games, you know, and people used to say, what's about in drunks, it's a falling on me, but um, so that kind of picked up and then 
it just kind of never really stopped. I remember just as the teams came out and stuff, there was a cheering for the Celtic team, but it was an incessant booing for the Rapid Vienna team, and the fans started singing, if you hate the Rapid Vienna, clap your hands. Um, <clears throat> and it just, it genuinely felt like, had some of these fences not been up, that half the, half the ground would have been on the pitch, like, you know. I didn't remember much about the game, and I've never seen really any the hi- any highlights of it. The game was not live on television, which is incredible. Now, you imagine the spectacle that would have been back, you know, then, um, but it wasn't. And I, what I remember is Roy Aitken had a shot that hit the post, and then they just broke away, and the guy just done. It felt like this happened all the time to us in Europe. Ran through, no defenders near him, slotted the ball past Pat Bonner and goals, game over. And uh, as has been mentioned previously, if the atmosphere was bad before that, it became 10 times worse because we were out. People were trying to then get on the park. One guy did get on the park and attack the goalkeeper. Uh, I remember that very well. Um, he was a guy for England, I remember. And then, as I said, there was various other incidents, see people getting on and trying to get rapid Vienna players and stuff like that. And... I can remember the people I was with, bear in mind I'm 10, that they were just like, just get this over with. Just blow the fucking whistle. Because they were, Celtic prided itself on being well behaved and, you know, having a reputation in Europe for that. And fans, and, and the fans had lost it completely. Absolutely lost it completely. And so that was it. You know, that was, um, it was game over and it was kind of very, very sombre going back and nobody really said a word and I probably fell asleep and all that, but it was just like, we didn't want to be associated with this anymore, you know. But of course it wasn't the end because as part of our so-called punishment we then had to play the next season's first home game behind closed doors and it was against Atletico Madrid and I remember the first leg well Paki Bonner saved a penalty Judas has scored a goal over there for us great result over there you know and in a normal circumstance you really fancy yourself you know but of course it wasn't a normal circumstance the game was played in the afternoon I was still at school I couldn't you know, what, what the fuck's going on here um, we need fans I remember the headlines in the paper the day after saying Paradise Lost and just had a big picture of the Celtic Park with the game going on and the fans there and um, it was awful we lost 2-1 we were out of Europe and that was it and it just 
kind of broke the curtain doing one of the worst fiascos in Celtic's history. One which, of course, Rapid Vienna need to take responsibility for. Of course, the person who threw the bottle, despite it not hitting anybody, has to take responsibility for. But again, our board need to take responsibility for the weakness and no telling UEFA to shove it up their ass, And that, in itself, is the seeds of why they needed to go. So the aftermath of the Old Trafford instance resulted us having to play it behind closed doors um, for the home leg, um, the first tie. Um... In Europe the following season, it was against Atletico Madrid, and I remember, remember a couple of things about it. First thing was, I remember us having, getting, getting a great draw. I mean, a, a one-on-one draw in Atletico Madrid. Could you imagine that these days? Away from home, and a uh, player I mentioned in the previous, my previous, um, uh, you know, the, the previous piece I did on Old Trafford itself uh, mentioned uh, Morris Johnson he scored a great header I remember it was like a deep ball to the back post and leapt like a salmon and great header uh, which was something, something he was good at and uh, you know gave us a 1-1 draw I think it was an equaliser um, which was great you know, great we've got a great chance of course you know the next games at home Celtic Park against the Spanish team you know and there's no fans inside the ground and uh, I think if I remember correctly it was an early kickoff during the week but it was like because because of the the nature behind closed doors it, it, it was like a, it was like a midday or a midday but it was an early kickoff that day and uh, I think I can't even remember how I found out but there's all whether it was like listen to the radio or CFAX Oracle whatever it was in those days um, but yeah we got beaten just just absolutely gutted and you're still part you're thinking back to the the ifs and the buts you go to why 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 did we have to play behind closed doors why did that happen to Old Trafford why did we have to go to Old Trafford and this kind of whole mentality we're just like felt we'd been done you know, done, done hard by, cheated by, and, and it, you know, there you are, a, a season on, it, it still was kind of sitting there, and, and it was it was difficult, you know, it was um, tough, tough to kind of take that, and then, you know, the interesting thing is, like, if you think about it, it, that happened then, and then, of course, with the whole situation, when, when you know, with, uh, when COVID was, was, with this, you know, kind of, at the height of the COVID difficulties, the football was back, but it was behind closed doors. And, and you know, I, I genuinely, genuinely believe this that uh, difficult, you know, difficult to say because I've only supported Celtics. I don't know what it's like to support another club, but us having our supporters in the ground is, is such a huge thing. It's such an important thing, um, you know, and, and, and we. we that time was, I don't know, it was the first time we'd ever had to play behind closed doors. I think I remember the time, like, some of the players were saying it was just really weird. And, and I think back to the COVID season the last couple of years, you know, it just, it just Celtic aren't, aren't Celtic without out the supporters, you know. And um, 
it's a kind of like history repeating itself when that happens we, we tend not to do well but uh, yeah I mean a whole episode about Rapid in Vienna is just yeah it's something that's part of our history but um, it's one that was uh, definitely painful at the time and uh, I don't think many of us have forgot, forgotten about it to this day 150 in the stadium, every shout, clap and whistle echoed around the terraces. They were deserted, but for a few police officers, able for once to face the footballing action. In the early minutes, both sides had chances. Celtic's defence looked uncharacteristically vulnerable, and Bonner had to save twice. At the other end, Proven twice at the Spaniards in all kinds of difficulties. second time from this corner. But no Johnson shot wide. Then Peter Grant broke loose on the right and found Murdo McLeod. He knew he'd missed the sitter of the afternoon. In the home dugout, hopes were high. The side had settled well and were beginning to control the midfield. But their hopes were short-lived. The Spaniards broke quickly. Setien got a fortunate rebound off Burns to leave Bonner with no chance. 1-0 and an important psychological moment, with no crowd to lift the Celtic players. In the second half, Celtic brought on McAdam for McStay, who'd had a poor game and had been booked. But Atletico were growing in confidence. In defence, their offside trap frustrated Celtic. In attack, they were deadly. This time, it was offside, but just a few minutes later, there was nothing wrong with Kike's efforts. He carved his way past a succession of Celtic players and finished in style. 2-0, and Atletico's players and their officials couldn't conceal their joy. They were certain of victory, and Celtic knew it. But the Scottish side still had some fight left in them and proved it within 60 seconds. From defence, the ball moved to McGrain and onto McAdam. He powered his way into the box, and Aitken lobbed home. 15 minutes left to go now, Celtic leading two more goals. Could they do it? Again, they began to pressure the Spaniards. Johnson again failing. From this break, a penalty claim. But it was turned down. And time for just one more attack. wasn't Celtic's day. The final whistle and Celtic arrived. 2-1 on the day, 3-2 on aggregate. Atletico of three. How did UEFA feel the day had gone? Very well. The organization, it's a pity to say, was excellent. No troubles at all. No people uh, outside. And uh, I think uh, it's going on like we like it must be. And you're satisfied that next season, if Celtic qualify for European competitions, they can have a crowd back at Parkhead? I think so. David, how do you feel? Disappointed, I think, the fact that uh, the band and the fans, you know, you, you were here yourself and you saw the lack of atmosphere, and I think it affected our players, because we've been playing well recently, and today we just didn't play at all. And I tried to go, I think, we're sharper to the ball than I and the lack of atmosphere seemed to be an advantage to them. Of course, in the aftermath of the Old Trafford game, 
that meant that um, Rapid Vienna were in the quarterfinals and would play and defeat Dynamo Dresden. Then in the semi-finals, they would play and defeat Dynamo Moscow before losing the final to Everton in Rotterdam in 1995. There were banners that I remember at the game um, that said Celtic should be here, that were in the Everton fans, and I remember always having a respect for Everton Football Club after that. And then when that happened on the Wednesday, we played Dundee United on the Saturday in the 100th Scottish Cup final. That Of course, Stephen mentioned earlier on that he was banned for smoking. <laughs> and there was a banner in the Celtic end that simply said, Ha ha, rapid. Oh, 